Welcome to Grace. My name is Brian Wilson, lead pastor here, and Debbie's one of our elders. And man, she did a great job reading uh, our passage today. So we're going to be digging deep into John chapter 6. And uh, boy, do we have a party ready. So if you're online, you can still come and join us. And uh, we got a party here today. Um, as we uh, get into our passage today, I want, you, I want you to think about something. that if um, Have you ever taken something that is simple and made it hard? Well, you guys are smart. You're much smarter than me. Because have you ever taken something that's very simple and made it really difficult? Like, uh, like my wife called me and she said, hey, you know what? Um, we need some new windshield wipers on our car. Now, if you know me, I don't know anything about cars. Just how, like how to put gas. That's about it. Uh, about cars. And I said, okay. So I went to the, went to the place or the, the auto parts store. I, I gave them. I, got, I came home with these windshield wipers and she said, hey. Just go put them on. It has to be simple. And I tried it and tried it. So what did I do? I YouTubed it, right? And it looked really simple. And, uh, and I sat there for a long time. I was trying to figure something out. And I go, this has to be really easy. Because when you go to like the Jiffy Lube place, it takes them like three minutes. And they charge you like $80. Like there's got to be a way. I'm making this so hard. And then my wife comes and goes, boop, boop. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, what is up with this? She goes, it's simple. You're making it so hard. You know, I think about that, like, maybe with our money, we sort of wonder, like, wow, sometimes, like, why don't I have any money? And it seems so simple, right? You, 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 you bring in money, and you spend less than that, and then you have money. Or as Dave Ramsey says, right? You, when, when you have money, you take 10%, you, you, you give it to the Lord, and you save 10%, and you live on 80 But sometimes it just seems so hard because we, all of our wants and our desires, and it, we, we, we take these things that seem so simple, and we make them hard. We, we do it in the church. I'm not sure if this is your first time you've ever been to church, but sometimes in church we're a bunch of people, and, and really God's vision for the church is very simple. It's to love God and love people. That's all it is. But boy, do we make it hard. We, it's so simple just to love God with all of our heart and our mind and our strength, to love other people, to be a blessing to people. But sometimes we make it so hard. And you know what? We do that with our relationships. Just to love others and not to think about ourselves before, but to lift others and, and to actually listen. We, we take some things that are simple and we, we make them hard. Jesus is going to give us a truth today. We're only gonna, he's in the middle of, of this huge explanation. He has fed the people. He, he, he performed this, this, this miracle. He, he, he gave them something physical. And he uses that feeding to talk about something spiritual. That, I, that hey, you were fed. You were fed with this food. That I took these seven pieces of food and I fed over 5,000 men. I did a miracle and then you came after me. And he's talking about, hey, you know what? We all have this hunger and we all have this thirst and we, and we satisfy it with the material things of this world. But you know what? We were given this hunger and we were given this thirst. Why? Because as humans, there was something that fully satisfies us and it's not of this world. 
it was sent into this world. When we, when we think about faith, it seems like out here, it seems like some of us, we make it this huge mental existential thing. It just seems like it's only for a few. And, and, and so faith seems just so fuzzy. And Jesus today is going to give us this definition of faith. He's going to tell us the one simple thing that we have to do, and it's going to seem so hard. Because the beauty, the beauty is in taking something that seems so big and making it so simple. See, we have this belief in faith. It's this, that I, that I have to do something in order to get something. It's so ingrained in our culture, right? Don't you love the next gym? And there a rocket over there. <laughs> right? We need a, we need a, I mean, it's a, it is, oh, I love that. Okay. But, uh, but we have to do something, right? But, but in order to get something, I got to do something, right? So, so I, I, I go to work, right? I do this. I do my work, right? So I can get a wage, right? I do something to get something. This is so ingrained in our culture, right? If you go to like a networking ex- experience and when people meet you, what's the first or second question they ask? What do you Okay, let's do that. What do you, what do you do? And you don't want to say, well, actually, I don't do anything. I just lay around. I just binge Netflix all day. <laughs> or if you do something, yeah, I basically sit on fan, fan duel. And I just, I just bet on this stuff. I play like online poker. Or you don't want to say, well, I don't really do anything. No, no, you, sometimes we sort of build ourselves up much bigger. Of course, for me, when I say I'm a pastor, they're like, what is that? Or they'll tell me like, oh, I got an uncle as a pastor. They'll tell me a, a bunch of jokes and other things like that. But, but we all have this, it's so ingrained in our culture. It's our Western culture that, that I have to do something. So we take what is in our culture and we apply it to faith. And we say, you know what? In order for me to get something from God, I got to do something. In order for me to, to get approval from God, that I, I got to do something. Right? I, I got, and, and then we realize that we haven't done it. We haven't done it. And, and then we say like, wow, this is, but if I could just do it again, and we think that we can do it perfectly, and then we understand, well, okay, well, because I haven't done this or I can't do it, then maybe God doesn't love me. I'm going to give you a truth today. This is a life-transforming truth. This is a truth of what Jesus calls good news. This is a truth that can transform your life, that will transform your life. This is a truth that is so simple, it can transform our city, it can transform our nation, it's transformed worlds, it's overthrown empires, that the truth I am going to share with you transform my life, can transform your life. Here's the truth. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done. It's not about all the things that we 
do or failed to do or messed up. It's not about that. It's all about what God has done and what God is doing. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done. We take the Christian faith and you put it up against all these world religions, Buddhism, Taoism, secularism. It's all about doing. That if I do this and I do this, that then I will get this. Jesus' message, the message that separates the Christian faith from all other world religions, is not about what we do. It's all about what God has done. And so, of course, of course, these people who have received this great banquet from God and Jesus, after being filled and they've traveled, of course, they're going to ask this question in verse 29. What must we do? What must we do? What, what, what must we do to perform the works of God? What must, there's got to be something, something we're missing. We've got to do something. What's that one thing that we've got to do? Oh, master, rabbi, tell us what we must do. And this is what he does. He answers their question with this statement. This is the work of God. We're going to break this down in a second. That you believe in the one he has sent. Well, what must we do? You must believe in the one he has sent. Wow. Okay, so the work that I'm supposed to do is to believe. But how is work, like energy and effort and task, how does that relate to belief? It seemed like it's like they don't go together. And as, and as I dug into this passage, I realized that, that when we think about belief, that we see it from a Greek perspective, an American perspective. A lot of our values and our ideals come from this Greek philosophy. And understanding that the Greek philosophy, that, that to believe was actually mental. It, it, it was conceptual. It was, this, it was this, the ascent of the mind. That the body, not very good. That, that, that this, all this world, this carnal experience, it's not very good. And so the way that you sort of live in this world is to, is to elevate your mind. It's to enlighten your mind. It's to, it's to escape with your mind. And so that's why a lot of our universities is all about the mind. It's by elevating the mind. It's about everything in the mind. That, that belief is about sort of getting all of these doctrines and, and all of these things. Well, I'm not saying those things are not important. But from a Greek perspective, when they see belief, it's like, okay, i got to believe the right thing. I gotta believe the right thing. And so we look at this passage, okay, well, the work then, I guess Jesus is saying is that I gotta believe the right thing. And what I'm saying is, I don't think that's what he's saying. 
Because I think he, he's speaking to folks who have a different worldview. We don't, are not coming from a Greek worldview. They're coming from a Hebraic, a Hebrew worldview. An understanding of belief to a, to a Jew, to a Hebrew, was totally different. It wasn't just this ascent with the mind that, that my work I have to do is then just believe these things with my mind. I don't care what I do with my physical world. I don't care what I do at work or at home or, or, or in this secular world because there's two worlds that I just need to go to another world. No, the Hebraic view, worldview was that there's one world, the physical and the mental, the physical and the spiritual. And when Jesus is saying the work that you have to do, it's not just mental, it's actually physical. That belief is physical. That when we look at the word belief from its, its Jewish understanding, its Hebraic understanding is this, it's a way of life. It's a way of life. That actually belief to a Jew means by my life. It's not just, I'm going to sit here in this classroom and just absorb all this knowledge. No, belief is actually a visible demonstration lived out where we work, live, and play. This blew my mind away when I thought about that. That Isaiah talks about this sense of actually belief and security in Isaiah 7. And Isaiah looks at the word belief. He says, it's basically establishing myself, my mind, my whole body, my whole life, establishing my life in a truth, in a truth, and standing firm in that. And not so focused upon all these things that I do, but establishing my life, establishing everything that I do in this truth of all that God has done. And then I live my life out of that. I'm not doing to gain God's favor. No, I'm establishing myself in what God has done and I live out of that reality. That's what belief is all about. See, when we think about faith and belief, we think the opposite is doubt. No. In a a Hebraic understanding of belief, the opposite of belief is tearing down, is feeling insecure. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the work of God, well, here's here's the work of God. You need to believe that, that you need to believe that you need to actually Establish your life now in the work of God, in the activity of God. To establish your life in what God has done and live out of that. It's a whole new reality. I realize that in our world today, there is great anxiety. There's great fear. School has started trying to figure out do we mask or not mask, 
masks? What about the vaccines here and there? And there's this sense of fear and there's sense of anxiety. And Jesus has these words, right, that I bring you peace. But how can he say that? How can, how can the Apostle Paul, who's in prison, say, you know what, I count this as joy? Because he's grounded in what God has done. He's not grounded in all the things that he's doing. He's grounded in a reality of what God has done. The Bible talks about God being a rock and God being a refuge. The psalmist talks about being unshakable. And to believe means that I am going to step on and I'm going to trust my life into all what God has done. And that when fear comes, anxiety comes, it means that what I'm doing is I'm stepping off of what God has done and I'm letting the world, and I'm feeling unstable, I'm feeling insecure, and so I'm letting the world sort of dictate. I'm letting all the fears of this world versus resting in the truth of God. And he says, I got this. Do not be afraid. Be at peace. This is living in the worldview of God. So what's the work of God? It's to establish ourselves in the works of God. All the things that God has done. I think about this experience. There's this, this man who, who was sick and his friends were really concerned about him. So they, they decided to do something about it. And they picked up this mat that, that he was laying on and, and, they, and they went to Jesus. And they tried to get into the house where Jesus was, but the house was full of all the religious leaders. And so they didn't turn away and say, well, you know what, we gave it a good try. I guess you're not going to get healed, and I guess we're just going to be stuck with you. What did they do? They kept going, and they got on the roof. I'm still going to figure out how they did. They got on the roof, and they, and they, and they didn't made this way in, in the roof. They totally destroyed the roof, and they lowered their friend, and the, because they were so concerned about their friend, and they sacrificed everything. They went to all of this work, and they, and they lowered their friend to Jesus, they weren't afraid about being exposed. Or they, weren't, they weren't afraid of the religious leaders. And they weren't thinking about, hmm, you know, I could be doing other things today. No, they were so concerned about their friend. And they were so set on their friend being healed. They went to all of these measures, these extreme measures. And they lowered their friend before Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Get the man out of here. No, he didn't say that. He said, you know what, I'm having a great, I'm in the middle of a great sermon. I'm on point two, and why did you disturb me? No. The Bible said, when Jesus saw the faith of his friends, he healed them. Wouldn't it be great to have a, some friends like that? The friends who, who, when you are down and out, 
when you're not returning the text messages, when you're not returning the calls, right? Well, when you are, are going through a dark phase, you don't want to talk to anyone where they come and they barge through your door and they say, you know what? We're going to take you to Jesus. We're going to intercede for you for Jesus because we're going to do whatever because you know what? We are in this together. And when Jesus saw their faith, it wasn't that they had to recite all these doctrine. You know what? They were grounded in the new reality that, that there was someone who could heal. And they lived their life like that. That's why you're going to hear it today. You're going to hear it next week. You're going to hear it all the way through September. You have to, I have to have people around me. I cannot live in this world alone. We cannot let the next generation be alone. That we have to be with others. You're going to hear small groups, small groups. You've got to have two or three people who are around you, who are going to carry the mat when you can't carry it. Who are going to bust through the door. Who are going to be with you on your team, in your corner. That's why faith is not just sitting here, now all the stuff I believe, it's putting my life, it's living my life in this new reality of what God has done. That what God is doing. You know what? I have a son. You, many of you probably are. Today's my wife's 29th anniversary. She's away. We're celebrating our 29th anniversary. God bless us with one child. We tried many times, but God bless us with, with one son. And my son decided to pick up the game of golf, which I hate. Now, what you don't know about me is that I'm very competitive. I don't like losing. And I don't like other kids beating my kid. <laughs> and I have to give myself props. This is the first year I have not been kicked off the golf course. <laughs> I can get a little emotional. I can get a little, Ugh! you know, I can... I can do the Christian thing. I'm happy for you, but I want my kid to beat you. <laughs> and so God's been working on me in all these years. And I have to give myself props because the other day, my son, who's going to play in college, but he was playing golf and I'm out here and I start to watch him. He's probably listening online right now. Hey, hey, Caleb. See but, uh, <laughs> To have... A set of holes where he went from second to 16th in three holes. And there was this big crowd. And then things started to fall apart. And the crowd started to go away. And I sat there. I had a smile on my face. Inside, I'm going, what is going on? And I sat there and I've learned. God has taught me this. That as a parent, we don't like watching our kids go through hardship. I hate it. I don't like, I want to rescue. I, I want to I protect that, that, that as I'm watching these things, I want to go over there and just say, 
let me put that for you. Let me, let me do this for you. But I didn't. I give myself props. It's taken me about eight years to get to this place. I just sat there and said, okay, he's playing golf. He's not like in jail. Not yet. He's, it's just golf. But I'm going to watch because over the past years, I've wanted to rescue him. But I'm doing him a disservice as a young man. Because it's in failure. It's in failure. It's in hard times that we can't live on the mountains. My job is not to rescue him. It's, 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 it's to let him experience this. So why? So he can grow. And so many of us, we say, well, I, I can't come to God because I am a failure. We, we take all these things that, that we've done, my marriage and my business, I don't have all this. I don't look like this. I've done all these things. You don't know where I've been right and before this. You don't know how much all this stuff I've done. And so we say, you know, because I've done all this stuff, this is who I am. And there's no way God, you know why? Because that's what we believe about ourselves. We can't love ourselves. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not what you have done. We will never do anything. We can't do anything. It's all about what God has done for us. And as much as I sit there and trying to rescue my son, I'm saying, this guy comes up to me and says, wow, that happened. I said, this is going to be a great growth experience for him. What I meant to say is, this is a great growth experience for me. <laughs> and I just, I began to grieve of all the moments I tried to rescue versus letting him experience failure so he can grow. He can learn. I think about King David. King David, he had it going. He had this massive empire. I mean, it was rolling, and he was doing great. And so King David, it was time for kings to go to war. He said, you know what? I don't feel like going to war. I'm going to send everybody else out to war. And so King David sends everybody else out to war. So he's sitting there like, hmm. And all of a sudden... He falls into lust. Lust leads to adultery. Adultery leads to a prophet Nathan coming, leads to Psalm 51. Oh, adultery leads to murder. I forgot about the murder. Murder. And then, and you know where it all started? It all started when David decided not to do and not to embrace his role as king. When he decided not to do what God had called him to do and what was his role in this kingdom, not to lead the kingdom, he stepped aside and that's when he failed. But we have this beautiful restoration. It's a hard and messy restoration. And he writes this beautiful psalm in Psalm 51. And at the beginning of it, Psalm 51 verse 1, it says this, because of your unfailing love. How did he know that? He probably knew 
But now he knew it. He experienced it. Because here's the king, he had fallen, and he had gone to the Lord, and he realized that God's love is unfailing. His love for God is failing. God's love for him is unfailing. And he goes on and says, because of your great compassion and the midst of the hardship and the pain, he discovered love and compassion of God. And so people are here and they're learning God is saying, listen, here's the work of God. Stop trying to strive and fill your, your needs with this world. I want you to believe. I want you to establish right now from this moment here. I want you to establish your life in the reality of what God has done. This is what he's done. He sent his son into the world. What? Yeah. God restored and is restoring the world by offering his son. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He didn't come to condemn the world came to set it free. That God's plan for our marriages that are a mess, God's plan for our families that are a mess, God's plan for us who are a mess, it's not to, it's to believe, it's to establish our life that we are fully loved by God. Nothing we could do. A love that we did not earn a love that we did not deserve to establish our life in that. The, the other day, you know, when you get to a parent, you feel like, especially as a, as a man, you feel like it's your right to educate your son on great movies. Now, my son is educating me on the 70s and 80s music. Hey, Dad, you know it? Yes, I know, that, I know that song. Turn that song off. That's a bad memory. Let's skip, skip it, skip it. Let's keep skipping. <laughs> But we were in this hotel room, and, and Forrest Gump came on. I said, well, hey, we got to watch Forrest Gump. Because I'm like, don't worry, we'll fast forward to the other parts. Don't forget it. Just... And so it's, I'm assuming people are familiar with Forrest Gump, but it's Tom Hanks. And, and so Forrest Gump is, the scene is they're in Vietnam. And all of a sudden, their whole platoon gets fired on. And Jenny, who was... Forces girl that he always loved said, Forrest, whenever you get in trouble, you run. And so trouble happened. What did he do? He ran. And he ran out of the, of, the, of the battlefield. And he got to this thing of water and realized, hey, no one's, no one's around. So he goes in and he's trying to find his friend Bubba. He goes, I have to find Bubba. And so he goes back in there, he's looking for Bubba, he's looking for Bubba, and he can't find Bubba, but he finds someone else, and he picks him up, and he, and he goes and drops him by the water, because he runs in, and he's going, well, I gotta find Bubba! And then he finds someone else, and he picks him up, and he goes and drops him off, and he goes right back in. And I'm thinking, why are you going back into the fire? You saved your life. 
Why are you saving other people? But he goes in. And he sees Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant, let me die. No, and picks him up. And I got to find Bubba. And he goes back in to all, the, all this trouble and shooting and everything. And I know it's a movie, but he goes back in. Because I got to find Bubba. And he finds Bubba. And he's dying, but he picks him up. And he takes him, he lays him by that water. And I've been thinking about that scene. That the work of God, Jesus is saying, is that right now, you've been living in this world where you believe all these things that you have to do all these things you got to do. And you keep working, and you keep striving. You're looking for the five helpful hints for this, and the ten helpful hints of this, and how to get you know, that stomach all in right, and how to get out of debt, and how to get those relationships going. And you get all these things you got to do. And what Jesus is saying is that you have to say goodbye to that worldview. That is not why I have come my father who so loved the world sent me in to this awful, chaotic, broken, shattered world. He sent me into that forest. Why? Because he did, you and I are the Bubba's. I had, God so loved the world that he sent his son into this world. It'd been so easy for him to say, the world's too dangerous. No, don't, I cannot sacrifice my own son. No, I do not want to give up my own son. No, God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world, into the danger, into the hardship. Why? So that we would be with him. For us to know of his unfailing love. And he's saying, this is the belief that grounds yourself to put your life, to to establish it in this truth. That's what it means to believe. I am fully and completely loved by God. And no matter what happens in this world, God will never forsake me. God will never leave me. His word is true. His promises always are fulfilled. And that's why we need a church. That's just why you need a small group. That's why you need people around you. Why? Because we go back into the world and we say, no, nope, he doesn't love me. He's forgotten about me. And we need people to say, no, he hasn't. I am with you. I am there. You will not fail because God never fails on us. I think about what would it look like from this moment on if we establish our life in that. Establish our life in a community. Establish our life in a small group. And we lived in this truth. Yeah, the world is troubled. Yes, the world will bring hardship. Yes, the world is broken. Yes, people will betray us. But God never will. Establish our life in that. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your un.
unfailing love. Thank you for sending your son into this world. That the way out of brokenness and hardship and pain is Jesus. To establish our life in him in your love and your grace and your mercy. That right now to make that decision that we are going to establish ourselves in God's truth. Help us as we do that. Lord, may we not just be that typical church where people come and leave. You haven't asked us, Lord, to build consumers. You have us to multiply disciples. Lord, we don't just need to be a friendly church. We need to be a place where we establish friendships. Put people around us who will carry that mat for us and will carry it for them to show us the unfailing love and the great mercy and compassion you have for us. Lord, right now, may we make that decision to ground our life that everything we do Every word that comes forth from our mouth, every action we do is grounded in the love of God. Given to us through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. We toss to pray by saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen.